Matt, I want to pick up on what we were just talking about, this important case that came out of the Supreme Court that you were talking, Shirtliff versus Boston, and the overturn of the lemon test. Now, Nikki and I are totally tracking with you and geeking out on this. But imagine there's some people who wonder if we're talking about dessert <laughs> and what is this lemon test and why is it so important to Americans? Could you just talk to us a little bit about why that was so critical for Liberty Council to overturn for all these years and what it means for the average person that's listening right now? Certainly, the lemon test came from a case in 1971 at the Supreme Court called Lemon versus Kurtzman, and it distorted the First Amendment Establishment Clause, ultimately affecting the Free Exercise Clause and the Free Speech Clause. It was used as a wrecking ball, for example, to remove Ten Commandments, nativity scenes, stars of David, crosses, other religious symbols. And in the Coach Kennedy case, just as an example, like in the Shirtliff case, if your perception was religious, or Christian, you couldn't have equal access in a public facility, public square. So Coach Kennedy could kneel down and he could think secular thoughts. If that's what he wanted to think, that's fine. He could be uh, opposing the national anthem. That's okay. He could be thinking about where he's going to order the pizza for the gang after the game. That's fine. But if he thought about prayer silently, that's not okay under Lemon. If Hal Shirtliff wanted to raise the flag, flag's okay as long as you deem it to be secular. But if you deem it to be religious, it's not. And that was Lemon. Lemon was overturned. So there is a whole new day ahead of us as a result of Lemon. In fact, not only was Lemon overturned in the 1970s uh, with the 2022 cases, but between 2022 and 2023, Lemon was overturned, 1971. Roe versus Wade, 1973, abortion was overturned. The TWA case, 1977, that uh, really gutted religious protection in the workplace, that was overturned as well. And then the 1978 case, affirmative action in college admissions, that also has been overturned. 14 months of overturning the 1970s activist court uh, from that era 50 years ago. And it will have huge impact in so many different ways uh, going forward. Yeah, what you just outlined for us is in the last 50 years of people taking cases up and standing strong and facing defeat. I mean, yeah. we've heard all these cases go forward where it's been no or no cert has been granted or they've lost at lower courts and they've had to take their licking. You've been taking these cases up at state court and federal court and many others that we've read about in articles. 50 years later, it's a whole generation later, all of yeah. a sudden, victory, 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 victory. And the original meaning, the original intent of the Constitution is now being preserved and handed down. That's huge. And I think for those of us who are listening right now and wondering, do I get in this battle again? Do I keep fighting? Um, what you just outlined is so encouraging for everybody about why we take a stand, why we stand up for our convictions and values, why it's worth it. because. It's not about if you're gonna get knocked down, it's about who can get back up again and stay in the fight because the fight is worth fighting. Some causes are so noble that their, um, their nobility is even worthy in the defeat. You keep fighting, having your, your hopes set on the future. Absolutely, and, and an example of that is in 1992, 
there was a case at the U.S. Supreme Court. We filed an amicus brief on it. It was graduation prayer. We thought that the court should hold it. It was a very short prayer. I think it was given by a rabbi. And the Supreme Court ultimately struck it down. Uh, We filed a brief asking the court to overturn Lemon. This was 1992. Uh, I was depressed for about two days after that. And then I said, you know what? This was just a temporary defeat. We need to regroup and figure out how to attack this and move forward and set precedent. Mm. And we moved forward with student-initiated graduation prayer, viewpoint discrimination. And those things eventually made their way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now the lemon test is gone. Uh, So it taught me a lesson back in 1992. I don't ever get discouraged from these defeats. And I encourage people not to get discouraged, not to give up when you get defeated. It's a temporary setback. you got to regroup. And the real issue is not whether you're going to get knocked down. You will get knocked down. <laughs> That's <laughs> the right. question is, will you get back up? Yeah. And when you get back up, you have to keep on getting back up and press forward. And I think when we look at history, particularly biblical history, it gives us that encouragement that no matter how bad things are, whether it was the Jews during the time of the uh, Exodus or Esther during Persia or whatever it might be, Uh, God ultimately prevailed against the impossible. Hmm. Let's jump off on this theme that you're talking about in history, because you are quite the student of history. But we're in some difficult times right now, and it can be challenging to contextualize this increasing trend towards censorship, the weaponization of government, especially against people who have certain ideas, hyper-partisanship. When you look back and the understanding of history that you have, how does your perspective on history shape your understanding of current events that we're experiencing now? Well, we're living in a very significant time of challenges to so many things, as you mentioned. And I look at it both from a historical standpoint and a short term, but also from a particularly a long term perspective. And put myself, for example, if I were uh, the Jews uh, in Egypt and I were having to go out and labor every day and see people abused and beaten and cry out to God and ask, you know, why are we not being delivered? You know, when you're living in that moment, it's hard to see beyond those circumstances. But now we know it's in those difficult times with people like Moses and others that made difficult decisions, put everything on the line. And when they were willing to put everything on the line, where there was no safety net, where it was a point of no return, God used those people. And those are the things that change history. The same thing with Esther. She put everything on the line. Mm. If she had not, we would never know who Esther was. You know, we look at uh, the three Hebrews that were thrown in the fiery furnace. They were trusting in God, but they were willing literally to give everything up, including their lives. And if they just decided to compromise and say, you know what? In my mind, I'll I'll curse this statute and I'll pray to God, but I'll bow down just so that it looks okay for everyone else so that my head's not chopped off. I'm not thrown into the fiery furnace. They could have done that. It would be easy, very easy to compromise. They said no. When others bowed, they stood and they were thrown in the fiery furnace. It's those things that change history and it's those things that ultimately echo through history. So when I look at those kinds of things, much worse than what we're experiencing now, I know with God, all things are possible and what is intended for evil, God can turn around for good. And the real difference between that and status quo is one person or group of people willing to stand for God and put everything on the line where there's no safety net and God will do incredible, mighty works 
that will change history and that will echo, as I say, through through the ages to come. That's a really powerful point, Matt. And I was just thinking about when you talk about putting it all on the line, you know, our founders in the Declaration of Independence were willing to sacrifice their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Right. And it was only because they were willing to do that that we enjoy the freedoms that we we have today. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm just thinking about, so something George Washington said, uh, a quote on, on freedom of speech. He said that if the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Mm. And I think that's not just true of freedom of speech. It's true of the free exercise of religion. The two are intricately intertwined because they both go to conscience and an expression of your, your thoughts and your viewpoints. You said something very powerful earlier where you said that you don't hate your legal opponents. And I think that's so important for people to understand that when you and your clients are standing for your convictions and beliefs and our views about the Constitution, which stem from originalism, it's not just for your client's sake, it's actually even for the sake of your opponents, ironically. And what motivates you isn't hate. It's actually uh, love. So a question for you, what do you think the next legal battles will be in your ongoing uh, fight to protect freedom of speech and free exercise of religion? And how do you do that in a way that communicates to those who oppose you that your motivation isn't hatred or bigotry or disgust mm. or judgment or condemnation. It is actually love. Yeah. Well, those are good questions. Uh, I think in the area of life, obviously we won a huge battle at the U.S. Supreme Court with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. But that now moves the battle back down to the level of the people, members of Congress and the state legislatures. And so that battle is very, very intense. And the uh, history is unwritten yet. It's being written as we speak as to which states are going to protect the sanctity of human life, the most vulnerable among us, or are not going to protect the sanctity of human life. So that's a huge battle that is moving forward right now. Uh, that's not only here in the United States, but it's also on a global level with the World Health Organization and other things that are taking place on a global scale. With respect to the clash between religious freedom and anything related to LGBTQ, that is a big issue uh, that we're in the midst of. A big case was, was won just recently at the uh, Supreme Court, but there are many others that are coming down the, the line. And the abolition of gender is part of that. And we're starting to see unbelievable kinds of stories come out from children and parents in the public schools and other venues where they're being really indoctrinated into a very dangerous idea. Uh, and they're actually being, in many cases, misdiagnosed uh, with regards to different issues that they might have, whether they're on the autism spectrum or have other stressors in their lives and they're being pushed, instead of getting proper treatment and therapy, they're getting pushed down a road of transgenderism and puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and other kinds of surgical interventions, which are very uh, dangerous and damaging. 
So those kinds of things, I think, will continue to move forward. You know, when you talk about these kinds of things, both from a spiritual, constitutional, or from a rational perspective, no matter how much, and we try to do that as much as possible, that you convey to people that just because I'm on a different side of this issue than you are doesn't mean that I hate you. In fact, that would be contrary to who we are, be contrary to our following our Lord Jesus Christ, who loves everyone and and respects, you know, we respect the human dignity of every person. But no matter how much you say that, I think it is kind of like a straw man argument. Somebody, instead of being able to attack or deal with the merits of your argument, they paint you in a certain way or paint the argument in a certain way, and then they attack that. So they attack you as a person, and they try to misrepresent you as a person and call you a hater or a hate group and so forth of that nature. Uh, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I think we can't in kind respond. We just have to continue to uh, argue the principles, argue what's right, and do it so in love. That's really I think the problem that you have, though, is that in, when you get into this area, uh, particularly with politicians that are not prepared for this, they get into this area and they make a statement, they're not prepared for this overwhelming avalanche of hostility that comes against them. And instead of staying true to their principles, they either change or they remain silent. And that's not an option.